Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's reason. It's M O L M M. That feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. (laughs) Six hours later. Y'all done got digitally (laughs) tiny. Welcome to another episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that would never haphazardly suck you into a black hole and leave you stranded at the edge of the universe. I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me as always is my time-jumping, gravity-defying, hint-providing, intergalactically mythological co-host and big brother, Jason Helms. How's it going, bro? I defy you, gravity. I defy you, Sandra Bullock vehicle. I I will not. <laughs> right. You're a I fan will of that award. Allow you? No, I defy no, it. You defy I, it. What does yeah. that even mean? How would I defy a movie? I'm sorry. I think maybe every time you jump, you you defy it. Or maybe don't if you just all? didn't see that movie, I don't know. Right. I sure. really should have gone with a wicked quote instead. Yeah. Oh, nice. I get it. I don't get I'll, it. I I'll, it but I like I'll it. try to remember that for next time. Anyway, that's right, Jason. Today, we're talking all about the highly anticipated, uh, already heavily awarded, even before it came out, uh, 2019 space epic Outer Wild. And was this, I think, Jay, you provided this uh, game to the group. Me. You sent it was me a trailer. Me. Jay, after it. you made this game, you shared it with the group. Uh, you sent it to me, and I can't remember how I described it. I talked about it in a previous podcast, but basically it was... The Dig? Firewatch plus The Dig plus... Uh, what's that space one? Um, no the, Man's the Sky. New, yeah, plus No Man's Sky, which I still stand behind having played, I don't know, 20 yeah, hours that of that up. game. I think that lines up. I think including the frustrations. The best version of those three games, including, including frustrations, the frustrations. Including the frustrations maybe of all three. Yeah. like, But probably the least frustrating of all three, the, the most yeah. um, complete. Like, yeah, and yeah. I I love all of those games, so that lines up pretty pretty dang well. But uh, yeah, how did you first hear about this game, by the way? Well, and and uh, hey, let's uh, let's introduce Corey first. Corey, oh, uh, I was just gonna skip on by. <laughs> uh, yeah, Co- Corey, how you uh, how you doing hey, there? How's it going? Insert cricket sound. Cricket, cricket. So yeah, Corey is uh, apparently she's like a teacher or something at some college at in Southern California. And she got busy in. Uh, <laughs> Corey got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Corey got busy. Uh, speaking of which, she shared a uh, Instagram story about Burger King today. There you go. She's a fan of the Impossible Burger, the Impossible Whopper, I guess. As am I, as a vegetarian. Anyway, mm. uh, she wasn't able to join us this week or this month, either one, because she was busy. So she'll be joining us next month. This game is really great. Yeah. Um, it takes a long time. Yeah. And something that Ben and I learned uh, while playing it is. If you try to speed through it, it's an incredibly frustrating experience because it's not like spoiler alert stuff, although there's that. It's much more this feeling of like, oh, wow, this is really fun. Yeah. I want to be doing this. I'm not actually playing the game. I'm just typing in commands. Like, I'm just going to the next thing. I'm not having any fun, but there's a really cool game that I'm not playing. Oh, man, this sucks. Yeah. So um, before we get started on anything at all, do not listen to this episode. Yeah. Bump, bump, just don't bump, do bump. it. Spoiler warning. Spoiler alert. Do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, is there anyone that you've ever met that you don't think should play Outer Wilds? You mean as far as like trigger warnings? No, 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 no. Oh, I mean, like, like this is a game for everyone. Like this is a oh, game yeah. you need to play. I, I'm guilty of the last movie I saw is my favorite movie of all time. The last game I played is my favorite game of all time. 
this is quickly into my top 10 favorite game of all time list. And so I want to say higher, but I, I, let me give it a year before I put it, you know, in the top five, top three. I'm putting it way, way up in their top three. And, wow. and I've got some reasons. I think it's one of the most well-designed games in yeah. just kind of a game sense, right? And we'll get into why throughout the development, but I'm really excited about what Alex Beecham is going to do going forward because this is this is a really exciting game to have yeah. as your first game. Definitely, definitely. Although he's been working on it for like 10 years. So uh, anyway, we, yeah, so we'll talk about the the making of the, the, the game. I mean, it came out this year, so there's not a whole lot of lore behind the, the development. Although there, there is more than most games, I would say, that came out this year because Absolutely. he's been making it for a long time. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about the gameplay for a while. There's a lot to talk about there. Uh, and then we'll, of course, talk about what's the drink, what's the song, what else we've been playing, and what we're going to be playing next month with Corey back. We miss you, Corey. Uh, and actually, we'll, we're going to talk about... Corey, Corey sent in a little recording that we'll play later, uh, telling us, because uh, it's her turn to choose the game. She has three games she's provided for us, and we're going to pick from those three games uh, and, and play that game next month. So let's get into it. Jay, you did more research than I did because you finished the game first, and them's the rules. Dumbs so uh, rules. let's get into right. it. Uh, this last, guy went to you. Last warning. Yeah. Last warning. Frequent yeah, yeah, yeah. listeners, stop listening. It's not worth it. Go play this game. It is so worth playing. It's such a good game. And I envy you because you won't have to play it under a deadline. So you can take as yeah. long as you want. Just it nice really... and slow. That's what it's intended for. Enjoy yourself. It reminds me of everything, by the way, in the sense yes. that I'll go back to this next week, a year from now, two years from now, just to like fly around for a while. I want to be in this space again. I yeah, experience it. it's really cool mechanics just flying around and it, the story is great and the mechanics are great and the way they interweave them. All right. Tell me about so, the, the making of the game game development. Um, this was Alex Beecham's master's thesis at USC. Uh, so evidently in the game design program there as your master's thesis, you create a game or the idea for a game. I'm not sure how far along the process he had to get mm -hmm. uh, if it's just dev docs and concept art. Uh, but Far enough along that within a year, he had a working demo that he could get. So he finished that in 2012. He's got a working demo around 2013. And by 2015, he has won awards at indie game festivals with this kind of game in alpha mode. That's crazy. Uh, you can actually go see the original um, trailer that he used for it with gameplay uh, if you'd like. And it's kind of fun to look at because it's the same game. It looks really similar. There's so many moments in it that are still in the game. It's just lower definition. It's just basically um, the game we played without textures, it seems like. Yep. And then there is kind of a jump scare moment in the game and in the trailer when there's a giant anglerfish that tries to eat you. Oh, gosh. But in the trailer for this 2015 version, it really doesn't deliver. And it makes you so excited that he got Annapurna to come in and invest in this and really throw a lot of money at it so that they could get those high-res textures so they could really make oh, this game so right. good. Because it's a, a gorgeous, gorgeous game. Um, and it connects to so many. So um, I found there's not a lot. That a couple of interviews. Yes, there is, and there's not. But there's there's really one main interview, so we're going to link off to that. This is uh, Phil Cameron's 2015 interview with Alex Beecham and uh, one of the producers uh, for Game of Sutra. And so um, I wanted to pull one main quote to talk about. Uh, Alex said he had two basic goals with this game. And so the first is... Uh, to capture the spirit of space exploration in the tradition of Apollo 13 and 2001 A Space Odyssey by having players navigate a world driven by forces beyond their control. And the second is to create an open world experience where the sole purpose of exploration is to answer questions about the world you're in. So I really like those from a game development stand standpoint of mm. 
he already knows kind of what does this game do? I don't know what the story is about. I don't know what the characters are, but what does it feel like to play this game? Right? What what's the genre? What are some big high level stuff? Uh, the the quote was actually the sentence after you left off, which was in particular, I wanted to avoid giving players explicit objectives without making the game feel aimless. Yes. Which to yes. me, and that is what so that. many that whether it's an open world game or a linear game, that's a constant struggle and just like internal conflict in myself when I play those games, right? An open world game, we play Kotor and I'm like, what I what uh, planet do I go to next? Well, I mean, I, yep. this game too, but you know, it just seems like there's there's a right way to play, and I f- always feel like I'm failing in like yep. making it the most like efficient way possible. In a linear game, it just feels like I'm just like reading a book, playing the story, watching the movie, whatever it is. And this, you can tell, is so carefully crafted to be both of those with with less conflict. It felt like I could I could literally go in whatever direction, and wherever I went, I would uncover something new about the world, yeah, and about the story. Yep. So he he took from that and he did a bunch of different prototypes. And some of them had, uh, he says, model rockets, camera-wielding probes, quantum forests, uh, miniature solar systems, all kind of stuff. But they weren't pulling together and he couldn't figure it out. And one of his friends had the suggestion of making what he called an emotional prototype to explore the game's mood. And when they did that, and it the prototype is uh, just having players roast a marshmallow and watch the sun explode. And when he did that, all of a sudden he got it. And the wow. whole game made sense to me. He's like, oh, this is it. So, so one thing I really want to stress here is I teach game design stuff in one of my classes. And the thing I hit over and over and over is start with the emotional impact. Yeah. That is it. That's the entire game design thing. You, you don't know if you've succeeded or failed unless you know what that emotional impact is. Right? If you're making a horror game and it makes people laugh, you failed. Unless yeah. you were at the beginning, I actually want to make a horror game that makes people laugh. In which case, you can succeed. So figure out what in the world that is. Otherwise, you actually don't know what you're driving for. Uh, even genre, like horror, we might think like, well, it could only be scary. But it's like, no, it could do other things. Know what you want to do with that emotion. That's absolutely got to be upfront. So I think that's one of the secrets to why this is such good game design. You can see it in his process. Yeah. I love the way he's reflecting about this, the simple goals, keeping everything really simple in terms of goals that allows him to spin off this huge, complex world. Yeah, it's it's just the the design, the amount of planets, the I believe he calls it a uh, Russian doll effect of of the planets. Of uh, you can see the whole galaxy, yep, and you can see an entire planet. And five seconds later, you can land on the planet, and it's just this immersive, overwhelmingly sized planet. Even though you could see the whole thing in your screen a few seconds before, and the way that there's not a lot of pop up in that, right? You can see the whole thing. It's not just like all of a sudden trees and buildings start appearing and popping up in your screen. It's, it's there. Just the, the like witchcraft yeah. and the development of the visuals of that is, is pretty mind-blowing. How many you know, hundreds of planets did we land on? And it was magical every single time. Every time. And uh, Bichu has this great quote about uh, the graphics and the, the world and the physics. He says, uh, the game itself was built in Unity 3D where the physics engine had been <laughs> has been a really good sport about not imploding from all the ridiculous things we ask it to do. That's awesome. Um, so that that's just a feel for the overall development. So it started with just him and his master's thesis, then a few friends from school as they jump on and build this um, kind of proof of concept short demo. Then it gets picked up by Annapurna. Well, they, they start a, uh, like a Kickstarter. It's actually with Fig. This was, I believe, the first game featured on Fig. Then uh, Annapurna gets involved and it takes off. Um, 
and that was that's pretty much it. It came out last month. People started talking about it and getting really excited about it. It started getting buzz very, very quickly, and I started hearing people talk about it being not just game of the year, but game of the decade. Yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll we'll probably do like a retrospective a year from now, two years from now in this game because it does feel like this kind of bigger than we anticipated when we just picked this game. We're like, oh, this looks cool. It's like Firewatch in space. We're like, oh no, this is like every time you you play Firewatch, it, this makes Firewatch seem like like Load Runner in the, in, yeah. in the size, in the scale, in the impact, and yes. all the different like mechanisms of the game as much as i still love firewatch and the story is amazing and it blew my mind it still does this is like firewatch on nine planets at once <laughs> it's insane so let's jump into the story a bit yeah and start to dig into what those planets are yeah yeah yeah. so you want to go planet by planet or what do you want to do yeah, well let's start on timber hearth all right so you start out on timber hearth what is the name of the main character oh youngling hatchling is it just ha- <laughs> i don't know wow i don't know either but uh, um, it's amazing that we can spend that much time they never get a name but they okay. do have pronouns yes and the, the pronouns are they them okay uh one really interesting thing about the harthians uh as they're called this alien race is yes. that they're all they them yeah and it's especially interesting because as we learn about another alien race the nomai are actually gendered he yes she. yeah um so it's it's never commented on in the game which is also interesting yeah but it's yeah just one one more thing it's you know the harthians have four eyes and the nomai have three eyes uh, everything's just a little bit different about them. It's it's kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, basically you are, and again, if you're listening this far, you've probably played the game or you never will. So we don't need to recap the whole thing, but you, know, you wake up on your planet and you're early on in the space program of your planet. I don't know how early on exactly, but it's, it's pretty primitive. And let's start with you open your eyes. Sure. And you are looking, you open your eyes and the first thing you notice is that you've got two sets of eyelids on top of each other. Right. Right. And so you go, whoa, I have four eyes Yeah, or two eyes on top of each other or something like that. And you are looking at up into the sky and there's a giant planet, some kind of gas giant above you and a spaceship in front of it, a space station. You're not sure. Space station. It looks something like explodes. It's exploding. Something shoots out of it or shoots at it. Like, yeah. What in the world? Man. So um, and then you start to explore this world. And ben, like you were saying, it's like it's not even steampunk. It's like um, lumberjack punk. Lumberjack um, punk. I like that. Rocket program. Yeah, I like lumberjack punk. But yeah, and you can roast a marshmallow. You can talk to your buddy who's like, hey, let's, you know, go get your launch codes and get in, get in your ship and go. Go explore. And so you basically go kind of planet to planet exploring, finding previous uh, astronauts from your planet, previous uh, Harthians that have explored these planets, you catch up with them and kind of as, the more you uncover about them, the more you uncover about previous race of aliens that inhabited this planet that I guess we can get into it, right? They were, they were, yeah. what did I say? Like Moana, right? They're, they're voyagers. Yeah. Moana's a good, a good call there. They're, they're nomads. Nomai, they're nomads. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. The nomads. Uh, but intergalactic nomads. Uh, yep. They, they go from place to place and this particular group, has come across something that they call the eye of the universe. They've come across this signal. Yeah, that called to them. Yeah, and the the eye is in some way older than the universe itself by their calculations, and they're like, that makes no sense. So hmm. what does that mean? Maybe we should jump in. I feel like if someone were listening to this and they hadn't played this game, they'd be like, did you guys actually play the game? Because it almost seems like the things we say, we're like asking each other. We're like, right. that's right, right? Right. Because there is an insurmountable amount of text in this game and things that you can uncover that give you bits and pieces of conversations of 
historical artifacts and uh, I guess like logs from ships and just there's so much lore and myth making in this game and you and I probably each discovered half maybe less and different halves you know what I mean like and together maybe we covered 80% of all all the stuff in this game yeah we'll try and get as as much as we can you've got like um, seven or eight other Harthians around the uh, the solar system that you can talk to and so you have limited conversations with them uh, and they're nice and they're great they each get characterization which is fun and they're always surprised you're alive that you got to them yeah you survived great (laughs) Uh, super low key about it and then um, but you've got like like Ben said, just like dozens and dozens of these written records. So it's very environmental storytelling. It's, you know, looking through this stuff and trying to figure out what happened and trying to piece together things literally from different planets. Uh, and as you start to put it together, you're realizing there's actually different generations of Nomai that you are seeing kind of uh, talking to each other or uh, the effects from one generation are being felt on another. It takes you a long time to put that together. So a lot of this stuff is, in, uh, you just have to infer. And so uh, we may not be certain of, of all of it. We may disagree and say, like, wait, you thought this was going on? Uh, but just get set for that as we interpret the game in front of you. I, there was a lot of stuff where you and I would be like, wait, the black hole did this? And, like, what is the mechanism there? And you can, oh, you can get back to this place? Like, we were just, it, it felt very old school LucasArts game, right? old yep. school adventure game where we're like, oh, is this, what do you use the wrench for? What do you use? We have this old wine bottle. How do you turn it to vinegar kind of thing? And like, it's just us talking to each other. And we we tried to avoid just Googling the problem yep. as much as we could and really just like picking each other's brains about stuff. More me picking your brain because you were a couple hours ahead of me. But still, it, it felt very nostalgic in that way of like watching my older brother play the game and being like, oh, that's how you beat that puzzle. Or like watching you beat parts of it and then me solving a little bit of it and then being able to feel a little bit accomplished, but not lost at the same time, you know? Aw. Thanks. Good times. Good times. All right, so let's walk through the planets real quick, just so you get kind of the character of them. We won't try and cover everything that happens on them. Start at the sun and move out. So at the sun, you actually have this cool platform that is orbiting the sun that's called Sun Station. Which, by the way, I loved. There was a while where I just tried to fly as close to the sun as possible. And you fell into it a lot. A lot. But also came way too close to it a few times. I was amazed how close I could get. Yep. And you are tempted to land on Sun Station many, many times. Uh, I've By heard the it's way, possible. Yes, it is possible. That is not the way to get to Sun Station. No, no. There's a better way. Next up, we have the uh, Hourglass Twins. Uh, this is such a cool conceit. You've got yeah. two planets. One of them is really rocky. One of them is covered in sand. And they are orbiting each other and then in turn orbiting the sun. And during – have we mentioned the game has 22-minute cycles? Not even yet. No, not Okay. Even. Uh, by the way, every two, 22 minutes, the entire universe explodes. Uh, you get a cool musical cue before it happens, and oh, then like the sun gets dark and like sucks itself oh, in. It's beautiful, oh, beautiful, it's great sound. Anyway, so every 22 minutes, this starts over. But the process is: Wait, are you playing the sound the right planets, now? Huh? Are you playing the sound right now? Do you hear it? Yeah. No, I wasn't. Playing. Is that? Wait, hold it's on. Weird. Let me take my headset off. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's Hannah's playing something in the other room. I don't know. All right, keep going. Cool. What were you saying? Um, yeah, it's kind of atmospheric anyway. I can see why you'd hear it yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Ash Twin, Ember Twin, um, this is the Hourglass Planets. Ash Twin is the one with all the sand, and the sand is so slowly being pulled onto the rocky planet. So it actually works like an hourglass. Like, one planet moving sand over to the other. And my guess is, That's like, insane. as it would go on hypothetically, they would always just move back and forth. But Got since the universe it. dies every 22 minutes, it's just constantly being recycled. There were a few things in there I was wondering, like, what 
without this 22 minute thing, what what is the normal cycle of X? Well, and right. one of it was Brittle Hollow. Like, what what normally happens to Brittle Hollow? Yep. After it goes in the black hole, does it like rebuild itself on the other side of the black hole and then go back and forth? You know what I mean? Yep. And then, uh, and then you've got Timber Hearth next, which has one moon, occasionally two moons, but mostly yeah, just one nice, moon. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, and then next up. <laughs> it doesn't got digital things. Nope. No. Uh, <laughs> oh. Welcome to another episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that would never haphazardly suck you into a black hole and leave you stranded at the edge of the universe. I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me as always is my time-jumping, gravity-defying, hint-providing, intergalactically, mythological co-host. co-host and yes, big brother. Yes, we've done it, we did hey. it before. Um, we're in time loop. What do you mean? No, I we're, got through the whole thing. I didn't even no, stutter once. We're in a time loop. Um, so here's the weird thing, Ben. Uh, we're doing like the pod about a game that has time loops, and it seems like maybe about? we are in a time loop. We did the whole. This thing. isn't oxen free, dude. What are you no, we about? did the whole thing. Yeah, that, that part of this was awesome. We did the whole thing. Um, don't worry, we've already covered development. Uh, we're at gameplay. Lucky for you, like, I didn't do any development. I did no research. So. Hey, don't worry, you actually didn't do it the first time either. Oh, um, nice. So let's just jump ahead. Um, okay. Uh, we were telling people about like. Was this guy like a USC something or other? He was a Trojan man and something he, about. He was. His, he did. It was the his game master's thesis. Yeah, homework. Yeah. All right, so uh, Alex Beecham uh, yeah. made a game, uh, yeah. it was homework, and then he won some awards, and then, yeah, great, good, Sweet. we're here. So, it's like, um, but it's like, he didn't want to give players like an explicit objective without making it feel aimless, open world, linear. Yeah, yeah, Lumberpunk. Did we talk about that? No, we, we did it, we're good. Lumberpunk, um, okay, all right, So that's all the boring stuff anyway. We're laying out the uh, the solar system itself, all right, we're oh, going to go like planet it. by planet. Don't worry, we're actually a couple in, we just cool. got to Timberhearth. Sun Station, got it, uh, let's do it. Sun Station, no, we got we did Sun Station, we're good. Uh, okay. We did uh, the Ash Twin number twin. Just got to Timberhearth, and the I believe I just twins. said that Timberhearth sometimes has a moon. So Ben, why don't you take it from there? Yeah, uh, Timber yeah, Timberhearth. Tell, tell, tell us about that moon that's sometimes there. Timberhearth has a what is known as a quantum moon occasionally, uh, which is a moon that only exists as you're looking at it, or it exists in that location as you're looking at it. Is I supposed to say more about that? That sounds great to me. Okay. Um, there's a really cool effect that the game does where you like look at something and then your character looks away and then the thing disappears when you look back. Oh my gosh, right? So often. Lots of cool quantum physics. Freaks me yeah. out. Uh, by the way, early on in the game, you look at a my statue and it like sees your memories oh, or something. Oh, yeah. And it turns yeah, yeah. out you get locked in with it and you are the only one who can tell that there's a time loop going on. Not the only one because evidently there's another character who knows but just didn't really care. Yeah. Garbo? Gorbo? Gabro. Gabro, he's the best. He's just like, he's yeah, like, this is crazy. I keep dying. I know. Is that weird? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that is weird. Sweet. I'm gonna keep smoking my flute. Speaking of Gabro, let's move on to Giant Steep. Oh yeah, that was a tough one. So this is a. G- I don't know if those those hurricanes. One of them looks a little weird. Oh. Wink. Oh wait, did we already say the spoiler warning? Yeah, yeah, we're spoiled. Okay, sorry. So the counterclockwise one is the one that gets you to the center. Got it. That's the one you want. Cool. Uh, I could have just told you that earlier, couldn't I? Yeah. When you, when but, you wanted you that know. hint so bad. I did want so the hint, bad. but I wanted. I also wanted to get to the observatory. Yeah, that's what it was, right? The planet. Yeah, the observatory on Brittle Hollow, and I did, and I figured it out. So I'm glad you didn't tell me. It's so good when you actually explore stuff. It just feels great. Yeah, that's that's kind of the I guess like the thesis of this game almost, or maybe just more like one of the the motifs is you could tell me what to do and I could solve the game in 20 minutes. Yep. But it wouldn't be a top five game, yep. top 10 game, whatever this game is. 
it's going to be like a year or two until I can tell you where this is. I know. Hang in there. You, you felt the same anyway. way last time. Don't worry. Man. All right. So, yeah, I think that the exploration of this game, it makes it so much more rewarding than just like knowing. Like, it, it, basically, if, if you told me how to beat Day of the Tentacle, it would still be like, I don't know, 80%, yeah. 90% as good. You'd get all the jokes. Right? I think most of those games, like, yeah, I'd get all the jokes. It's really clever. And this game has jokes. It's really clever. has even more lore than any of those games. But still, there's something about discovering the answers to these puzzles yeah. that makes the game like, yours yeah. in some way. Like, makes you own that character and that space more than just kind of living the story. We've talked about this before, but in game design, there's we often talk about the difference between um, kind of process or linear games versus emergent gameplay. And that kind of linear process game is like there's a story, there's a script, and there's one way to play through it. Maybe there's like a branching way to do it. Maybe there's like five endings or something. But there's generally kind of a linear story as opposed to chess, which would be like a very emergent game. Like the entire sure. thing happens. Every time it's different. Every time it's different. Like it's it's just – and most games are somewhere in between. But for me, some of the best moments were that emergent play. So let's go to Giant's Deep, and I want to give you a, a moment – Right, and we can do this throughout, and just kind of, I want, I want to hear your moments, you know, the wild things that happened, yeah, 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 crazy yeah. anglerfish races. But let me give you mine. I called you when this happened, and I even spoiled a little bit of the game for you because I was like, I just had a top five gaming experience ever, and I need Dude. you to know about it. All right, Dude. so Giant's Deep looks like this gas giant. It's the one you wake up looking at, and uh, there is a space station orbiting around it that you look in and find out uh, some more about the aliens. And then when you get through the gassy surface, there's actually an ocean underneath with like four or five islands on it. So every once in a while, the islands shoot off into space. It's like every five minutes or something. The first time it happens, it is real disconcerting because you're probably standing on one of the islands. Uh, And then it falls back down. Uh, And you're okay as long as you stay on the island. By the way, once I uh, used my jetpack and got off the island a little bit, just like 20, 30 feet. And yeah, I, I really died hard. When it landed, because what I did was I fell from space onto a uh, island that wasn't just static, but yep. was now bouncing back towards me. Yeah. Uh, so that was bad. Uh, lots of uh, you know relative speeds and stuff. So I'm exploring it, and I finally figure out that the island that I'm looking at, there's this hidden area inside of it that I can kind of see from the outside through some cracks. And the only way to get in, I just deduced it, is to climb into the water and swim underneath and there's like a grotto, and I can get in there that way. Yeah. So I walk to the edge of the island. I'm about to jump off. What happens? The island shoots into the sky. Of course. I'm like, I'm floating out here, and like I'm starting to float away from the island, and then I go, wait, I've got a jetpack. So I fly under the island instead of swimming under it, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And I realize, wait, wait, I don't have to make it inside. I just have to wait, and the island will land all around me. And so I hit the water. The island hits the water. I bounce up, and I'm right where I was trying to get to. And it was like the most roundabout, coolest way to solve the puzzle and totally solve it accidentally. Which also solves the next puzzle for you if you're trying to get to the middle of that planet. Right. Because you have to get inside of a jellyfish that exact way. Yes, that exact way. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's incredible. On that same planet. That's insane, dude. Yep. It's good game design. Man, level design, get you everything. It's just the myth making or like the mythology of this game is just incredible and it's overwhelming i was gonna say at first but it's still overwhelming right the idea of just all of the the nomai and all the hints that they left and they were there for two hundred eighty thousand years just an insane amount of of people and lifetimes and and lore and just schools and houses and stuff that you uncover throughout just walking around this universe 
that is, yeah, man, that's why we keep kind of like guessing as we're talking to each other, be like, right, that's what we read kind of thing. Cause there's no yep. like exact answers or exact quotes from this. It's just kind of like, I think I read this somewhere in my like 30,000 words that I read about the Nomai over the past two weeks. Yeah, don't worry, Ben. We we covered environmental storytelling last time around. Okay, cool. So, uh, but why don't you tell, because I got to be on the phone with you for one of your experiences. Okay. On Ember Twin. You're exploring oh this area gosh, right? where there's this quantum stone. And tell them about the quantum stone and, the, and that Yeah, so there's the quantum stone. Every time you, you know, every time you look at it, or I guess every time you look away from it, it, it can move where it is. So if you stand on it, ride the stone, bro. Ride the stone. Ride the stone all the way down. Uh, and then you turn your flashlight off and you turn it back on. You're in a new a new place. One of those places... So, so let me just walk through that real quick again because that might have been baffling for anyone who is didn't sure. do this. Right? If you look at the rock and then you look away, the rock moves. Yeah, if right? it's out of your sight. Yeah, yeah. And it goes to one of three different places. So what you do is you get on top of the rock and then basically close your eyes. You turn off the light. Right, right. And then when you turn it back on you will be in a completely different location because you wrote it to one of those three locations, not the one you're at. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So one of these locations, uh, most of them you can walk to. This this one I'd never seen before. So I got off the rock and saw some skeletons. It looked like dog people. Yeah. 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 The kind of I, scattered the on the ground. People. And then, then a switch there. You can kind of turn the switch on and off. Uh, so I turned the switch off. It turns off the lights in the room you discover. And then when you turn them back the switch back on, all of the Nomai are standing up, staring at you. Dude. It is the most unsettling gameplay I had played in a long time. And that was after I played the anglerfish section. <laughs> now, let me give you a, a recording I made in my mind. Okay. Of you playing through this. All right, Jay. Um, so I'm in the cave. Uh, there's a light switch here. All right. So, or there's a switch here. What does it do? Okay. Oh, okay. It turns off the lights. All right. So turn back. Oh, yeah. With more, that, that was more uh, expletives probably. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. It was fantastic. Yeah. My game, my gameplay from NFL Blitz to Red Dead Redemption to Outer Wilds is uh, not safe for work. Not, <laughs> Definitely safe, not safe for work. work. No. No. So tell me about Brittle Hollow. Brittle Hollow blew my mind because for the first five, I don't know, I was going to say like five to ten hours. I don't know. The first couple of hours, every time I'd see it, I thought it was a different planet. Yeah. And also the idea of like hollow and bramble and dark and brittle and timber, like all of these names are almost like synonymous or like in the same section of Venn diagram of words in my head. Like they have the same like emotion to them, you know, this like dark, they're all like twee words. And so I don't know. I, I, I saw brittle hollow and I was like, Oh, there's a whole planet. And then the next gameplay I'd see it t closer to the 22 minutes. And I'd, I'd be like, Oh, there's like a planet that's broken down. And then it, it, it eventually I was like, Oh, it's brittle and it's hollow putting it together. <laughs> but yeah, basically there's a black there's a black hole in the middle of this planet slowly sucking in different parts of the planet and spitting them to the far edge of the universe. And it, the reason it's sucking them in is it actually has to break apart on the surface first and the thing that's breaking apart is it's got a moon that's made of volcanoes. Oh, yes, and the moon thank is you. shooting these giant things of lava onto it. Whenever they hit it, they then fall into the black hole. And that's another one of those things I was wondering like if this game were longer than 22 minutes, like the previous day or the, you know, 100 years before, like what would Brittle Hollow look like? But there's a lot of those things I'm sure right. that Beecham has an answer for because it's, that seems like a very simple one. Uh, but also it's just like, a, hey, let's here's a 22-minute mechanic that's a really cool concept. Let's go with it. We don't have to answer that. It doesn't really matter. That's outside of the game's purview. So, uh, But yeah, there's yeah. that's one of those like Russian doll situations where 
you, if you fly inside that, you know, under the crust of that like breaking shell of that planet, you can get lost. There's whole city. There's several cities in there. There's the hanging city. There's a um, whole observatory. There's like a museum in there. There's a multiple ways to get around this place. That place took me many game throughs, uh, uh, gameplays uh, to like not be overwhelmed by. Yeah, and I'm yeah, sure there's, there's still parts so I didn't discover. much in there. Yeah, totally with you. And so many different ways to get into that planet. Let me tell you a place about a place that I am still overwhelmed by, and that's Dark Bramble. Oh gosh! And Dark Bramble was the first place I went to. What did I tell you? I said, stay away from Dark Bramble. The only thing I'm going to tell you is just like, don't go to Dark Bramble. You don't need to go there. Had to go. Go to other places until you want to check it out. Had to do it. He calls me like two hours later. He's like, dude, I'm stuck. I just been in Dark Bramble for like two hours. And all that keeps happening is I keep getting eaten by monsters. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I didn't know if there was like some cool gun that you got that would defeat the anglers. I was like, how do I get the nah. gun? How do I get past them? I don't know. How do I beat this game? <laughs> <laughs> past Ben is an idiot. That's the best imitation of yourself. Uh, man, these stupid fish keep eating me, man. <laughs> Just ride the rock. Ride the rock. <laughs> so, so Dark Bramble is this planet that looks like a a planet that some th- a bramble of thorns grew inside and then blew up. Oh. And uh, right in the middle, there's like this seed where all the thorns are coming out out of, and you go into it, and it's like this really foggy area where you can't see more than you know. 80 to 100 feet in front yeah. of you. And uh, as you go through that area, there's a bunch of other little nodes, little seeds, and you can enter each of those and go into like nested structures, like uh, relativistic spaces within relativistic spaces. And that's really cool. Less cool is there are these terrifying gigantic anglerfish that jump out of nowhere, have the best sound, de- sound design ever, and eat you. Oh my gosh, they're terrifying. Leading to my next favorite emergent moment. Uh, do we have a do we have a theme for Jason's emergent moments? Yeah, yeah, I'll write that up right now. Thank you. Emergent moments. Yeah. So yeah, when you're a spaceship, all you see is like your controls in front of you, your windshield, your little uh, thing telling you uh, where you're aiming and stuff. And so I'm, tr- I'm trying to go real slow and sneak by this anglerfish, and I hit the throttle a little bit too hard. Anglerfish sees me and chomp, chomp, right. And all the bells and whistles go off and the alarm. And then all, suddenly all the alarms stop. And I'm like, okay. So I'm guessing like my ship is probably okay. Like it was scared for a second, but I'll just repair some stuff when I get out later. Yeah. But I'm definitely not going to move, right? So I just keep coasting, right? Looking forward, hanging out, doing my thing. And when I think I've gone far enough, I hit the brakes on my ship. And the windshield in front of me just floats off into space. And I realized that for the last two minutes, I've just been floating behind a windshield. There is no ship around me at all. And it was one of the most fantastic I'm an idiot moments ever. That's the, the anglerfish ate my ship, but missed me and the windshield. And me and the windshield were just floating along That's together. That's insane, dude. Me, pre- me pretending that I was in a ship. Me thinking that I was flying something. It wasn't until I hit the brakes that the windshield just flew off into space. It is cool how, how seamless you, like you in your ship and you just with your like jetpack on is. Yep. Like it flies yep. the same way or very similarly at least. Yep. It was a beautiful moment. It was, it was really just just brilliant. Uh, it's one of those things that makes me love the game so much. I feel like every time I got sucked into that black hole, I was just like, frustrating because usually I was trying to get to like a platform and like just missed it or whatever but it was just also mind-blowing and I was in awe of 
the level design or the world design of just like I knew how to get back immediately. Right, I knew I, I could like close my eyes and meditate. Even that mechanic was cool. Yes, um, but the graphics of falling through a black hole. So good. It's amazing. Yeah, it was very like interstellary in that sense, but like, but it, yeah, just kind of beautiful every time, right? Dude, I was so heartbroken when you texted me and said, "Hey, I think I finished it." That's a real letdown of an ending. Oh, so yeah, let's get into that, man. Let's get into the end because that's so. That was so, so frustrating. I beat the game, Jay. I beat the game. That that was not the ending. Yeah. No. I see. I, I just a couple nights ago. I, I played it. The time crunch at the end is you know you have to get the what is the the core? Um, not the plasma core. Warp core. The warp. You have to get the warp core from uh, one of the hourglass twins, and you have to go and like go into dark bramble and fly to get their ship, the vessel, and insert the warp core into that vessel. And sneaking by four different anglerfish oh along the way, at least right. And I I see the the vessel and I'm racing towards it and all of a sudden I just hear like, did you play that again? Uh, what? Oh that, no! Are you hearing it again? Yeah, that's weird. All right, finish your thought. We got like one more minute before the universe weird. explodes. Uh, no, just get get stop. a call. Turn off your speakers. That's weird. I hear it again. Okay. But yeah, it was basically what yeah, you're yeah. playing right now. Um, weird. Turn it off. Okay. So and then all of a sudden I saved it on my my Xbox recording thing. And like all of a sudden the universe dies because the sun supernova and exploded or imploded or whatever that is. And I just see you are dead or you have yes. died or whatever it is in giant yes. letters. And then the credits roll. Luckily you showed me the video and I was like, dude, no, that's not the ending. Yeah. I was so pissed. I was like, oh, this game is about nihilism <laughs> and how nothing you it's do a, matters. It's it's a really funny ending <laughs> that you got, especially ending just for you. Oh my gosh. Uh, hey, whenever we resurrect, uh, I'm going to ask you about the real ending. And so just look forward to that. What? Welcome to another episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, another the show episode. that would never another. have had. Hold on, dude. Hold on. Welcome. The same episode. Hold on. Again. Are you done? And again. And again. Haphazardly suck you into a black hole and leave you stranded at the edge of the universe. I'm your host, Ben Helms, with me as always. You ever, see, uh, you ever see Groundhog Day? Oh, so good, dude. I'm living it. So good. Ned! Ned. Ned. <laughs> That's me right now. I'm Ned. It's oh, actually your name so and you're insufferable. All right, so how's uh, it going, ben, bro? You just destroyed our intro. Long story short, uh, we're stuck in a time loop, you and me, and you're not aware of it. You're the only one who can hear the music, but I'm the only one who notices it's happening. Probably because of that gnome I looked at earlier today. Anyway, uh, okay, right, right. So we finished We've, the episode. We're close. We were just about to talk Let's about the game. Let's just call it tired, dude. I know, me too. <sighs> but we have to push through. For the people. Think of the kids, Ben. Think of the kids. For the kids. I really think we can get it on this last loop. Uh, we got to get the warp core. We got to get into Dark Bramble. We get by those anglerfish. We say our beer. We say our song, and we're done. All right? One last run. All right, so Alex Beecham wrote this nope, game nope, when he was nope, in eighth nope, grade. No, nope. we did the We did the development stuff. Yes, Sun Station is the first station closest Nailed to the moon. It. You're really good. Riding the rocks. So, Ben, we talked about how great you were yeah. and how smart you were. I love, yeah. When you found that secret ending. I wish we were recording. Yeah, no, you, we talked about how smart you were. That's exactly what we said. Nice. We said you were very smart to to pick up on the fact that it was not the real ending. Okay. Um, so, but, so oh, let's the talk first about time the real when, I, when I yeah. told you that I'd beaten it and yeah, I hadn't, when and you you're died. like, no, no, and go you try hadn't. again, big guy. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So the next time when I got to the middle of Ember Twin, uh, Ash Twin, whatever you uh-huh. warp to, whatever the, the big sandstorm takes you to, I read everything, and there's like novels yes. to read there, right? That's where yes. all the Nomai left all their instructions for running everything in the vessels and the whole mechanism for how the universe works and how they're going to escape it and go back to being nomads and, and to leave this galaxy once and for, and for all and, and be gone because they they were voyagers, kind of like Moana, voyagers. right? I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. What's happening? I'm trying to, to wayfind. Oh, it's stars. like this. Sorry, sorry. Jason's using a visual gag in an audio medium again. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you done that every loop also? Nope. Oh, okay, cool. Save that for the for this loop. Not as anyway, so far as you know. So, they, yeah, the, the second time I was able to not read any of that stuff, get the warp core, boom, fly over to Dark Bramble. Stick it in the vessel, if you know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, put in the secret signals, turn the gravity on, do all that jazz. And that was one of the most rewarding, surprising, scary, fulfilling endings to a game I've ever played. By the way, weirdly enough, you actually have said stick it in the vessel every single time we've recorded. And not even referring to Dark Ramble. Never. Wow. No, this is the first time it's been about the game. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Anyway. It explains the shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> Nothing explained that shirt. Stick it in the vessel, man. <laughs> I, I bought a lot of merch that says that. Can we put that on the uh, on the store page? Yes. So episode forty one, Outer Wilds <laughs> hyphen. Stick it in the stick vessel. Stick it in the vessel. All right, NSFW. By the way, whenever I play games, it's <laughs> NSFW. From NFL Blitz to Red Dead Redemption Dude, Two. No, we've done this already. Wilds. Yes. Yes. Wilds. Wilds. You swear a lot. I think I've been mixing up wild and wilds. By the way. Do it for the kids. Uh, we can do this. I messed up. We can do this. For the kids. All right. So where are we going next? What's after Outer or uh, Dark Bramble? After Dark Bramble is the end of the game. I mean, is there anything beyond that in the universe? Oh, there's Interloper. No. Interloper. Oh, Interloper. And Dark so this Matter. So this is sad. Interloper's sad. Interloper's this comet. And in the center of the comet, which you can only get inside when it's near the sun because then it melts a little bit, you find uh, this stuff called Ghost Matter. And Ghost Matter is all around the uh, solar system, and it, like, kills you if you step near it. Yeah. But there's just little pockets of it here and there. And what you find out is that the Nomai discovered it, realized that it was fatal, and that if it thawed at all near the sun, it was going to blow all of this Ghost Matter all over the solar system and kill every Nomai living. And so they tried to stop it. And they're, like, in the middle of trying to stop it, and you can read the recordings, and it's like, no, save yourself. Go warn everyone. I'll take care of this. And the reason that there's ghost matter all around is that's what's left. So like, that, that was point, the destruction of the Nomai. At one point, there was ghost matter everywhere in the solar system. I did not realize. I never got to that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Took them out. That's insane. All but one. Solarium. 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 Seminalam. Solarium. So uh, that brings us back to the quantum moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is sometimes a moon in the planet that you're at, and it's sometimes very frustrating. But oh the cool thing gosh. you can do, since it depends on observers, is you take a picture of that moon, and you look at the picture of that moon, and you can land on that moon, as long as you're still looking at that picture. That whole mechanic is insane. It's good. How it works it's so good. well. Brilliant. So then you get in there, and it gets even more complex. There's a oh. tower. You got to like, turn like the lights off the, the door tower. and turn the lights off, and right. then turn the lights on and open the door and do it again and again and again and Boom. again. And you use that to slowly navigate from the South Pole to the North Pole. It all makes sense within the game's logic. But when you get to the North Pole, you find Solanum, the last living Nomai. And fortunately, you cannot communicate with Solanum. 
but Solanum can communicate with you and you can use images to ask questions, right? So you're able to ask Solanum about all this stuff, but you're not able to say, hey, by the way, Solanum, um, all your friends are dead. And Solanum just thinks that they are on a, uh, a voyage, right? Because they're voyagers. Like every Nomai, when they, when they come of age, they have to go to the Phantom Planet. They got to go to the, the Quantum Moon. That's so cool. And they're, Solanum's on their little walkabout. Right, checking out, uh, checking out the quantum moon. And she's been there for two hundred and eighty thousand years. That's a lot. Now she doesn't know that. She thinks she's only been there a few Jeez. minutes. She's just checking it out. This is cool. She's been Make there for like twenty-one minutes. Also, the quantum moon, depending on what planet it's orbiting, its structure changes. And so, like when it's around Timber Hearth, which is like Lumberpunk, there's a bunch of like cool trees and That's stuff. That's crazy. All five of the other quantum moons, you walk by the skeleton of Solanum. So dark. She died on all the other ones. It's, oh, it's good. By the it's, way, I heard that th- uh, you could be on the quantum moon after 22 minutes. That makes sense. Now, the sun can explode. That's the only place you can exist forever. Yeah, There's nowhere that you makes can go complete after that. sense. Yeah. What happens if you get, can you get back on your ship and fly away? I don't think you can get to your ship because your ship is at the South Pole. And so you have to get in the tower to navigate there. You can't do that after you talk to Solanum? Uh, but I think you get in the tower, you navigate all the way to the bottom. Yeah, you get in your ship. and but your ship's just gone. No, no. If you change the tower to a different planet, then, then you're, you're dead. dead. Oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All right. So All the right. actual ending, you go through this great emotional thing. It's a wonderful emotional journey where you connect with all of the different people that you've met along the way, including Solanum. If you discovered Solanum. Thanks for remembering me. Oh, so good. It was so good. They all play a little song together. I was waiting, waiting for Solanum to like bust out her little like Palm Pilot and start playing a song or something. Yes. She just enjoyed the music. No, she had a piano. What? Yes. She's no. she plays piano. Yep. Yep. I think she's playing it on the Palm Pilot too. Oh wow. I didn't get yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. When they all play their little song together and the universe ends. That's awesome. And then the universe starts over. And you see a little fu- little campfire, just like you started with. Yes. But now everything's just a little bit reversed, a little bit off, and the aliens don't look quite right. All the planets look a little different. Yeah. Just the idea that like nihilism. Whatever you yeah. do doesn't matter. No. Time goes on, right? Time moves on. Time goes on. Life is life. Whether you're here or not, people will adapt, or people, things will, life will adapt. I don't know. I thought it was some awesome scenes at the end there. I read a great, uh, this is the old, uh, we must imagine Sisyphus happy thing, right? Like, just because it's all going to end doesn't mean it didn't mean anything. I read a great, great bit, a great story on uh, what was formerly EDSPS this week, written by uh, Stuart Hall, Spencer Hall. And, um, he talked about seeing a uh, sugar bowl in, I think 1993 and watching a player run this perfect crisp route and catch a ball in the end zone. And it's this otherworldly inhuman catch. And the player is the only person in the stadium who doesn't know that there was a false start and the play's not happening. Wow. But he said that still to this day, it's the most beautiful play he's ever seen in football. It never, it, it's not on any stat sheet. It doesn't exist. It never happened. Wow. But in that moment, it's the most beautiful play ever. And he uses this metaphor to say, like, college football is a corrupt thing that exploits poor people, exploits black people, exploits marginalized people, pretends to do all these wonderful things, uh, causes uh, death and destruction. And you get to choose. Do you want to live in a world where you enjoy that play? Because you don't get to stop it. Mm. He's out there catching that ball. You want to watch it and enjoy it? And it's like this real embrace of like, yeah, maybe college football will end and we'll find something else stupid to do with ourselves because right. that's what humanity is. That's what America is. Yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll play it on land that was stolen from other people, right? This is 
the entire history of America in a nutshell. That the flag has already been thrown and we just don't know it yet. And eh, that's kind of the message of the game. The universe is dying. The heat death of the universe is a certainty. You can't stop it. You got you got 22 minutes. It's kind of nice to know how much time you got. Most people don't. True. What's the drink? Let's talk about it. This game's pretty fun. you with frustration. When I was all done, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. What game is Westy 12? All right. Who's drinking first? Uh, I will drink first. I decided something uh, for the Harthians. Okay. Little little lumberpunk moonshine. Oh. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I'm picking a particular moonshine, a, a moonshine that my friend David uh, gave me that was from his uh, his family from Tennessee that they had made. And it was delightful. And he gave me a, uh, the remainders of a mason jar of it at one point. And it was crisp and very... It, it would knock you on your ass. It definitely left a mark. And this game did all of those things and yeah. also felt very homemade. Yeah. Oh, nice. I like that. Uh, I went with a, a scotch, I know, surprisingly. But it, it was, it's, I think it's my favorite scotch. Pretty sure it is. It's been my favorite scotch for over a year now, so I'm going to call it my favorite scotch. And it's Ardbeg Ugadal, one of their uh, cask strength expressions. Uh, and it is an amazing scotch that if you know Ardbeg, you know it's it's from uh, Isla, and it's very peaty and smoky and uh, kind of, like you said, it kind of kicks you in the ass, and it it will take you down a dark road that, depending on who you are, you will seek out that same road over and over and over again, but it's a very, very unique flavor and emotion and um, just kind of idea of a drink. Specifically to Ugadal, though, it is a drink that changes with every single sip. So every sip, one of them is going to be really sweet. One of them is going to be really smoky. One of them is going to taste like a swamp. Next one's going to taste like apple pie. It is mm-hmm. like you can drink, you know, a, a finger of it over 45 minutes. And as it warms up, as, you know, if you're eating something, it, it just completely changes, which to me is this game. You can go and you can just run around Timber Hearth for 45 minutes and just kind of have a good time with your hearthlings. Or you can go over to Dark Bramble and have a horror movie. Or you can go over to Giant's Deep and have an action movie. I mean, there's just like every part of this game, wherever you want to go, is a totally different emotion and genre and and taste. Da, 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 da. Anyway, that was back to the drink thing that I was making metaphor analogies. So my song is a bit on the nose. I went the Jason Helms route this month and went Beastie Boys. Nice. Body moving. No, I went body moving. <laughs> Girls, obvious choice. Very da, 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 da. intergalactic was my choice, uh, and then similarly, as I have grown, I mean, this song came out in uh, I don't know ninety eight, two thousand, somewhere in there probably. And I should know this; I was supposed to research this, but it came out when I was a youth. Uh, and it's as I have grown older, the meanings to all of the the lyrics have changed, the song has changed, uh, and there's mm. endless amounts of remixes that have been done in this song. All of them are amazing. Love the song. Some parts get old. Some parts are kind of renewed every time I listen to it. Uh, and yeah, the song is kind of constantly remaking itself in my brain, at least, uh, the older I get, just like this uh, this universe. Also, it's connected to why Feldspar's um, spaceship broke down. Trying to tell y'all, sabotage! No, that's a different album. That was like 20 years what? before. What? I thought you were going to say, like, he stir-fried him in his walk. It's a sure shot. Anyways. Because when the physics engine works, you watch the beat 
Okay. Do it. All right. So, Space Oddity is my song by David Bowie. Um, I'm going to pull up that and just not explain it. It's a song about being (laughs) trapped in space and feeling alone, but thinking about the people you love. There you go. Interesting. So, is that like a metaphor? Yes. Yes, it's a metaphor. Cool, cool. For, For Sisyphus. Nice. All right. What else have you been playing? must imagine major tom happy um i went back to earthbound oh dude by the way i something happened in earthbound i'm just gonna send you the save file and make you put it into your dropbox so it loads on your game boy and you can play it okay and see where i was in the game okay isn't it cool that that's gonna actually work that is cool it's, it's drinking coffee with mr saturn for those who uh who've played earthbound before but like the game just breaks halfway through it's just like we're going to just do something else and just talk to you for a bit. Wow. How are you doing? How's the game going? What? Everything working out? When did this like, game come out? 1994, I think. Wow. That's amazing. It's like Super Nintendo, but with Nintendo graphics. Dude. But they're not bad graphics. Like, it's doing lots of stuff. It just looks like it's going to be very simplistic graphics. It's really good. I love this game so much. That's cool. Yeah, that's what I've been playing. Sweet. Uh, I've been playing Strava. Have you, play, have you played this game? No. This is a um, this is an app that my buddy. That this is a stupid conceit that I'm doing. It's just running. It's a running app. It, it tracks your running. Nice. nice. <laughs> it's actually I think it started as a cycling app, but I've been running uh, a lot recently since my gout has been not acting up. I think it's like I'm trying to think of a metaphor. It's like if you uh, what's a good one? Like if you get gout and you can't use your foot for a few months. Good metaphor. And then the gout goes away, and then you can use your foot. You're like, I got to use my foot before I lose it. We're going to spend some time after this recording talking about what (laughs) metaphors are. (laughs) Anyways, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. What else have I been playing? I played some Everything with the Kids a couple days ago. I'm supposed to be playing that um, Twine game, but Corey isn't here on on the podcast, so I felt like my homework wasn't due. If If the substitute is there and not the teacher, the homework's not due, so... Next month, Corey, I'll play the twin, twin twine, double twine game. I don't know. I downloaded it. We'll play it. I'll play it with my wife. We'll report back. Unraveled? Yeah, that seems right. Unraveled 2? Return Maybe. of the Boogaloo? Yeah, Return of the Boogaloo. That seems right. Yeah. No, you've nailed it. Anyway, so I feel like I'm going pretty well here. But yo, you don't have to play that stupid music again, okay? Uh, oh, come on. Okay, just get it quick. We so, got to get it done. Uh, what else have I been playing? I played some... Oh, my God. Go, go, go. You know what? I don't care. Your game's stupid? You're not going to remember this? Some NBA Jam. Hey. THPS 2, of course. Hey, Ben. I had, I had the kids play Super Mario, only and that was a, actually really fun. Only an idiot like you would have thought the game was in there. Only Excuse an idiot me? like you. Welcome to another episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that would never haphazardly suck you into a black hole and leave you stranded at the edge of the... Let me try this again. Welcome to another episode of... Um, It takes me a couple every time. Hold on, I'll get it it this time. It's taking you five. Welcome. It's taking you five, Ben. Don't exaggerate. This is the third one I'm about to try. We are stuck in a time loop. Uh, I've explained this four times. Wow, don't be a jerk about it. I just stuttered. I need to do it again. Ben, 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 just listen. It's not a time loop. Jeez, dude. We are in an Outer Wilds style Groundhog Day, okay? So we've only got 22 minutes, but luckily, you made that joke, I think, three times. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. <laughs> Remember that movie? Good news. Like the movie. Good news. We are 
up to um, we've done development, we did gameplay, uh, we did beers, we did. I song. haven't seen that new Jim, that new Jarmish movie with Bill Murray though. Looks good and Adam Driver. Broken Flowers. I thought it was about zombies. Yeah, that's probably it too. Um, month in the news. Month in the news. All I gotta say is, is that and I can at least get you on task. I'm so happy. Uh, All right, let's so pick the next game. I think Alex uh, Brockman. Oh my gosh. Hey Ben, um, is it okay if we just uh, record the ending real quick? Uh, just just because of my own things, like a time thing. Yes, a time thing. Yeah. All right, whatever. Dude. Yes, it's sure. a time thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. So, what else have we been playing? I've been playing. I had the kids play Mario, the original Super Mario Brothers. No way. Bros. Period. It's really cool. And it was awesome having a five-year-old and a four-year-old just like go. It, it was very like looking a mirror to the past, like a time jump situation. Wow. Looking at us playing Super Mario. It was awesome. That's so cool. I, I love that, very bad. I love it. that connection and that nostalgia and just the feeling of love there. Um, yeah, two could, siblings they, playing video games that could never be betrayed. Right? There's a kindness. There's a trust there. Right? Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, what else have you been playing? Um, Earthbound. Earthbound is good. Uh, you drink Ugh, coffee next, with next, Mr. Next. Okay. Who cares? Um. Oh, we gotta pick the next game. Pick the next game. Hey, next month's game. So we actually have a recording from Corey. Uh, we'll play it right here. All right. Hi, guys. I'm very sorry that I couldn't manage to get my ish together in time to do this month's podcast. Listen, the beginning of the school year is rough. There's a lot going on. But I do realize it is my turn to choose which game we are playing. And I take that responsibility very seriously. So with that said, I've got three options for you this month, and uh, I'm going to let you guys decide which of those sound the most interesting to you. All three are available for the Switch, so for those listening at home, if you have a Switch, you're going to be able to play these games. So, first of all, there is Creature in the Well, and my main reason for picking Creature in the Well is because it has pinball in it. And if you are a regular listener to Men of Low Moral Fiber, you know that Yoku's Island Express, which is a pinball-based game, is my favorite game of all time. So that is primarily why I'm choosing Creature in the Well as one of my choices. The second one that I'm thinking of is Legend of Skyfish. This is because it looks kind of like a cute game, um, and I'm kind of into what I've seen in the trailer of it. Um, but also because I remember when I was a kid playing Warcraft, not like WoW Warcraft, but Warcraft Warcraft, because my stepdad was a programmer and that was a big part of my life. Uh, this is the kind of game that that was. And honestly, as an adult, I've never played a similar kind of game as the original Warcraft. And I even before my stepdad even came into the picture, played the original Warcraft game. And so there's a part of me that's a little bit interested in trying to play the same kind of thing. I don't know that I'll like it, per se, but I'm curious about it. And then my third choice is Among the Sleep, which looks super scary, and I'm very interested in it. Because even though it is nearly 100 degrees here in Southern California, I like to pretend that maybe it's kind of fall. And when I think of fall, being a gal from Massachusetts... I think of Halloween, I think of everything that comes with that, and I love the idea of being scared. So Among the Sleep is definitely amongst my top choices for this month. So Ben, Jason, I trust that you will pick something good and we'll have a good time next month. 
again, sorry that I couldn't be a part of this one. It is what it is, but I love you all. And uh, I'll see you next month or hear you next month or you'll hear me next month. I don't know. Whatever. It'll happen. Did Corey sound sad to you? Uh, she sounded a little stressed. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's, uh, that's probably why she couldn't play the game with us this past month. That, that might be it. <laughs> I'm excited that we're gonna play a core game, and I hope that she comes back and she she's just you know feeling feeling better. I just you know I was yeah I was just listening. Just you know, I think it's just because she didn't have us. Oh, that makes and sense. And we lift her spirit so much that yeah. recording alone, she just kind of you know. My thought. Most of the things that happen in this world have to do with whether we were part of them or not. So that thank makes sense. you. That makes that's sense. what I've been saying. Yeah. So we have among the sleep. Creature in the Well, and Legend of Skyfish to choose from. Among the Sleep. I choose Among the Sleep. It's our October game, right? Let's, let's have Among the Sleep be our horror Halloween game. It'll come out the, what, I guess it's the first Friday in October. We'll talk about it all month long. Maybe we'll do like a live stream of it towards the end of the month for Halloween. That would be awesome. And we also did promise people when Corey joined the podcast a few months ago that we'd do Oxenfree again. Oh, we got to twitch that. So we'll twitch Oxenfree at some point towards the end of October, maybe even on Halloween if we can time it right. Mm. Uh, but we'll do a playthrough. Maybe we'll have Corey play it, and we'll be there too, uh, just trying to jump scare her constantly. She'll love that. Yes. So that'll yes. be great. I think that's like a four-hour game, so that'll be mm. it'll be long. We'll take some coffee breaks, but really yeah. looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and download. I think it's on sale right now. We're talking about Among the Sleep. Among the Sleep. Which, by the way, you play as, a I think, a two-year-old. It looks scary. And a playpen, and you're having a nightmare, basically, right? It's like night, the night know, terrors but... of a two-year-old. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That sounds awful. <laughs> it's going to be great. But good news is it's like three hours long. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to play it, and hopefully Corey is, too, since she suggested it. So I think that's all we have. Oh, Jason has one more month thing. Month in the news. Month, a month in, in the, the news. news. Month in the news. Uh... Dark Forces 3, Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Academy. Yes. Coming out for Switch Ooh. in like three weeks. And we haven't played that yet. So got to put it on the it's list. It's on the list. But yeah, okay, we got to do that. Uh, and we do have also, speaking of Star Wars, of course, uh, Fallen Order comes out November 15th. So we'll have two more episodes, I guess, before that comes out. But that, that'll probably be our... Uh, you know, we'll probably play that over the break. That'll be our February game. That'll, we'll, so we'll be playing that in December and January. Because um, I think that's going to be a long single-player game, so that'll be fun. Sounds like us. Uh, but yeah, that'll be our new Kotor, basically. Uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Um, sorry we didn't record the beginning of the episode. I guess we'll do that after this. Anyway, uh, you can catch us at menoflowmoralfiber.com. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're probably most active on Twitter. Hopefully, Corey can come back to us and do some more Instagram live moments, whatever the kids are calling it these days. Uh, posts, if you will. Questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at mumpfpod at gmail.com. That's M-O-L-M-M pod at gmail.com. And if you want to support us financially or emotionally, what's that I hear? Is that the heat death of the universe's walk-up music? Let's uh, let's get this done. Wow. Alright, uh, anyway, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty space pirate again. And you're lucky I'm in a time loop, because otherwise, I'd be super dead. Super dead!